This is the Last of Us podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We are wrapping up the full season of The Last of Us and announcing the winner of our Last of Us World Ends pub quiz. On the first day, I set a fairly reasonable goal to make the best television show ever. That was our reasonable goal. I just want to say thank you. I love you guys. Thank you. Welcome back, fellow survivors. This is the Last of Us podcast on TV Podcast Industries. Finally coming back to discuss a little bit of The Last of Us and wrap up our Last of Us World's End pub quiz. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow survivors. I'm one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out this trio of uninfected, I am Chris. Yeah, um, uninfected. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm still a little <laughs> bit infected, to be honest. Uh, or... You've got the lurgy, but not the cordyceps. I have survived the man flu, fellow survivors. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll be pleased to know. And it was so difficult. It was fight. dreadful. I've still got it. It's lingering, it is. as always. It is, and passed on a little bit to me as well. But uh, we'll get through this. We'll get through this. Um, we're not going to talk <laughs> a huge amount about our infections, but we will probably talk a little bit about cordyceps and the infections in the infected of The Last yes, of Us. We would be useless in a post-apocalyptic world mm-hmm. if we caught the flu and yeah. not cordyceps or, yeah. or got bitten by a zombie or whatever. We'd be those characters dead in the first weekend, yeah. I think, is, is pretty much what would happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> but hey, that- we give ourselves some credit. We would be at least... At least two weeks. They they said half the world died in a weekend uh, in this show, and I think we'd be part of half that world. (laughs) Uh, I'd like to think better, but probably... No shame, Chris. No shame. It's all right. It's all right. We wouldn't survive any other outbreak either. Um, We have got a bit to talk about uh, in this uh, final wrap-up episode. We usually do this after we do a full season uh, coverage, do a little bit of wrap-up, and mostly because... Well, we had a pub quiz that went on throughout each of the episodes and our wonderful fellow survivors have been sending in all their answers to their pub quiz questions. We made them wait to the end of every single episode for the the questions throughout the season. Should we kick off with the answers and the winner of the wonderful Last of Us Part 1 on PC or PS5? I think so, yes. I think we should. Yes. I think we should. But let us recap the questions and with this time with the answers. Yes. So I'll kick off with episode one from When You're Lost in the Darkness. The question was, Fedra have identified three periods to full infection taking hold. How long does it take for someone bitten on the neck, the torso and the foot to become fully infected? This was for three points. The answer is, for the neck and head, it is 5 to 15 minutes. Torso and arms, 2 to 8 hours. Leg or foot, 12 to 24 hours. Yes, given by a handy poster uh-huh. in, in the episode. Yeah. Um, it was yes. very kind of us to put three points uh, on that one because it was all there written on the poster. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and it was one of those ones because we were talking about at the beginning of the season, we were talking about things like The Walking Dead and all those other shows that have uh, zombies in them and infected in them. Um, 
in this show, they had a very handy guide to what happens to a character if they get bitten on on specific points. And then we chose this as our uh, our pub quiz question and couldn't talk about it in the episode. And I felt it really difficult resisting talking about the amount of time it would take because you see people getting bitten on various places on their body uh, throughout the season. Well, that's but it. No, I mean, I guess not only would I last less than two and a half weeks, but if I was bitten, it would probably be straight to the neck or head. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a quick Quick turnaround mm. for that cordyceps. Five to fifteen minutes, John. <laughs> but then I would never have the flu or a man cold ever, ever again. again. I'd just have a fuzzy fungi brain, mm. I guess. Yeah, it'd be f- it's a good thing. The fuzzy fungi brain is the best. Well, if I felt peckish, I could just lop a bit off the top of my head and have some mushrooms. Oof. Yummy. <laughs> well, we do kind of see a little bit in the show that people um, may know that they're inside the body of this infected. They may, their personality might still be inside there. Like, that's pretty, oh, that's, that's, pretty that's great, way actually. worse than having yeah. a flu, isn't it? <laughs> well, then I just wish the plane would crash on me, right. basically. Right. Yeah. There we go. Take as many flights as possible, John. Yeah. There you go. Uh, let's get on to episode two. Episode two, question two. For this was the infected episode. The question was, what musical instrument is on display in the room of the Bostonian Museum just before Joel, Tess, and Ellie are attacked by the clickers? And the answer is not a triangle. The answer is a drum. Yeah, a little confusion on this question. A couple of people got this one uh, incorrect. Um, But yeah, the drum is pretty prominent in the display case uh, just before they get attacked. Yeah. Not a piano. No, it wasn't a piano. (laughs) It was a drum. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, let's get on to the third episode. On episode three, long, long time, the question was, which game machine does Ellie find while searching the building with Joel? Uh, we didn't realize at the time it was a really important uh, video game machine. It was Mortal Kombat 2, uh, which we see quite heavily featured uh, in episode eight of the show because uh, Ellie and uh, Riley play on the Mortal Kombat machine in uh, in the mall. Yes, so, so yeah. the memories. Yeah, so we, um, we had called out this question really excitedly because uh, Mortal Kombat was being featured in the in the TV show and then it turned out to be quite a big uh, story point later on in the season as sometimes happens. Yes. We also did accept Mortal Kombat here we as did. well. We did. Yes. Uh, I don't think we shouldn't because <laughs> it is a separate game but it is. We'll you are nice. right. We'll be nice. We we'll were be being nice. nice here. Yes. Uh, but for episode four which was please hold to my hand the question was what two movies from 2003 are listed at the Globe Cinema in Kansas City. So we have an interesting conundrum here mm. because we had down as the answer Underworld and Matchstick Men. Mm-hmm. Both released in 2003, both very heavily highlighted on the marquee as yes. Joel and Ellie are driving away from the marquee just after they've gone past it. Exactly. But there were a couple of instances where there was also Mystic River and American Wedding. <laughs> the f- and the f- because there were more than one, we thought, okay. Better go back and check it. Better go back and check. And mm. there is a moment in that episode where as they're driving towards the Globe Theatre, you can certainly see Mystic River, mm-hmm. and I think you can make out American for short, so guessing it's probably American Wedding. My pause wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. And then as they drive past and drive away, you see Underworld and Matchstick Men. Yeah. So as a result, we mm-hmm. will be accepting 
either Underworld and Matchstick Men or Mystic River and American Wedding. Yes, and all four films were released in 2003, yes. so it's likely that they got that right. <laughs> yes, exactly. So well done for that. Eagle because, eyes. Yeah, even more eagerly than yeah. us. They were, they were adding it. letters to uh, to the to the actual letters that were on screen to, to make up a movie. Um, we should do that next time. Our questions should be that hard in the future, John. <laughs> <laughs> so hard, we don't even get the answer correct. <laughs> Favorite of those four films, anybody? Underworld. Really? Love Underworld. Yeah. Oh, Matchstick Man of all four of those. Matchstick Man, absolutely favourite. Nicolas Cage, so good. It, it, it's Underworld, vampires, yeah, underworld. werewolves. Yeah, that's what the poster Vampire told me. Vampire werewolves. And the trailer <laughs> told me for Underworld, told me that they were going to feature those things, and it was terrible. So, um, no, not a fan. Um, it was about as good a, a vampire and werewolf movie as the Twilight movies are. So, I know, uh, not just so. have no taste. Matchstick Men featuring Nicolas Cage, who starred alongside uh, wonderful Pedro Pascal in uh, in the incredible weight of massive talent. I like Matchstick. I like Matchstick Men. Don't get me wrong, but I've watched and gone back and watched Underworld way more times than Matchstick Men. I know. I've been made watch it with I you. Know. Uh, Chris, do you want to take awesome. us on to the fifth question? In episode five, Endure and Survive, which issues of the comic Savage Starlight do Sam and Ellie have between them? Hmm. The answer is Ellie had issues four, five, six, and 11, and Sam had issues one, five, six, and eight. Yes, absolutely. And if you answered, they had one, four, five, six, eight, and 11. We'll give it to you as well, of course. Yes. You didn't need to separate them out into the two of them. Um, and I found out from a lot of our listeners that Sam's handwriting was very confusing to a lot of people. So uh, it could have been issue 15. Um, so I've given it to them if they put down one and five, because uh, there isn't an issue 15 in the comic book series. And I know that from the game. So, <laughs> so there you go. So we know they got it right. They were just misreading his handwriting. So that's okay. Fair point. Fair. There you go collectibles making it to the big screen uh good stuff that's question five on to question six on kin what is the name of ellie's favorite astronaut and we did joke about this that's uh, there's a reason why we asked this question because of a wonderful film called the commitments all you want to do is ride around sally don't use your own accents it's ride sally ride not ride sally ride so altogether, lads, the answer to this question, Ellie's favourite astronaut is... Sally Royd. There you go. Right, Sally Royd. Yeah, there you go. Uh, thought I'd have a little, uh, a little joke at our Dubliner expense there. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff. For episode seven, Left Behind, the question was... What 80s movie poster hangs on the wall above Ellie's bed in their Federer dorm room? The answer is Inner Space. I love that. See, I love that movie. That yeah, was a I fun do. comedy yeah. movie. That was great, great movie. Yeah. Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Fan. Actually, I want to watch it again now. Yeah. I know. And Martin I Short. I wonder how his... I, I love him uh, as, a, as a comedian. I do really like Martin Short, but I wonder how his 80s material, how dated it is now, looking back. At Don't it. care. I really like um, Only Murders in the Building. He's really good in that, but uh, haven't seen in their space for a while. Uh, the other poster that lots of you were trying to identify in the room is actually a Mortal Kombat poster that she has uh, on her wall. So this was the movie poster, so well done to all of you who got that. Moving on to episode eight, entitled... When we are in need, mm -hmm. the question was, what is the name of the restaurant in Silver Lake? 
Yes, it is Todd's Steakhouse, and Ellie in that episode does basically carve a man with a knife. But that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, freshest steaks in town, I guess. I guess yeah. so. Well, no, there. Well, it depends. Like, I'm assuming the body kind of burnt to a crisp, and it was very well done. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> By the true. end of that fire. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess at least the other people in Silver Lake managed to have barbecue that night. Oof, there you go. Uh, on the final episode, on episode nine, Look to the Light, uh, the question was, what word game does Jill find as he scavenges for supplies on the outskirts of Salt Lake City? And the game was Boggle. It was. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that one. There you go. There you go. I've never been good at it. I don't know. I don't know whether I've ever played Boggle. I have it, but it's ages ago. Yeah, feels like one of those one of those games that was around when we were kids, but I don't think I ever got to play it. But it's kind of like as kids, I remember being forced to play it because it's Uh, like being forced to play Scrabble uh, as a kid. It's like, oh, this is like school. This isn't a game, an educational spelling (laughs) game, rather than rather than something that you get to make money or kill people. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> good stuff it's like it's like the game of life as a you're like a 10 year old it's like i don't want to know about finances and business <laughs> <laughs> but it teaches your life skills john no it didn't business studies taught me that <laughs> <laughs> good stuff well that's it that's all nine questions nine answers uh, yes how many did you get right all of them <laughs> Yes. Am I am I into questions? (laughs) How about you, fellow survivors? How many did you get right? Yes. Uh, We have sixteen entrants for the pub quiz. That includes those of you who got the answers right and those of you who did add a um review or a rating to the TV podcast industries and sent us confirmation that you did it because it was very difficult for us to pick them up so uh, if you forgot to send the confirmation unfortunately uh, you haven't gotten an extra entry Uh, but thank you very much for your rating yes so i think we need to move swiftly on to our electronic tombola Mm -hmm. chris take it away games master sure happy to hey google randomly select a number between 1 and 16 Here's a random number, 12. Lucky number 12. Great stuff. Yes, congratulations to... They say number 12 in numerology is 3, i.e. Hey, Google, stop. (laughs) (laughs) We've just got an explanation for what the number 12 is, uh, but the person who is attached to the number 12 uh, is Kevin Coyle. Yes, congratulations, Kevin Coyle. Excellent. Um, I'll be in contact with you in the next couple of days uh, to find out whether you want to have um, your copy of The Last of Us Part 1 on PlayStation 5 or on PC. If you do not have a PC or a PlayStation 5, as we've said all along, we won't be buying you one. Um, we will look for an alternate uh, prize for you instead of uh, instead of that. Unless yes. you want us to buy it for you and you can go and get your own one, uh, a PlayStation or, uh, or <laughs> PC uh, for it. Uh, Last of Us Part 1 has officially been released today on uh, on PC, the 28th of March. Certainly has. Um, so people are just about starting to play it now. Yes, Good stuff. Well done, fellow quizzers mm-hmm. and survivors for your entries. Um, and really well done answering those questions. They were difficult, yeah. so difficult. In fact, we messed up on one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, well done t- for those eagle-eyed quizzers who also Wait, spotted... When you say we, do 
I, are we not correct in saying that you are the games master, therefore you? No, I've just called them. you the games master, Chris. It is the okay, royal you are the we. Question. The collective we. So if I'm we. the games master, you're the question master. Yeah. No, I'm the quiz master. Oh, I'm the key master. master. And oh, yes. um, <laughs> it's kind of our it's kind of our responsibility to validate the uh, the questions as well, Chris. Uh, that is is something we should really be doing as well. Yes. I, I never signed up for that in my <laughs> The <laughs> royal <you>. way. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, congratulations once again, Kevin. Uh, for those of you who enjoy the pub quizzes, we still have an ongoing pub quiz over on uh, our Star Trek Picard coverage. Six episodes in so far, four episodes to go. So uh, 10 questions in total on the final season of Picard. So if you want to join us over there, or if, if you haven't got the questions yet, pop on over to the website at tvpodcastindustries.com as well. And you can check out the pub quizzes section uh, for all of our current questions. And I'll pop all the answers to these uh, questions up there as well. Yes, excellent stuff. Yes, congratulations, Kevin. And congrats to everyone for taking part, because taking part is the most fun we can give you. Uh, and it's the best prize. Fun. I, I don't know. I, I always, I, I was, I'm too competitive. Actually, the best part is winning. Is getting the prize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, you know, like it is. Like, you know, it's like participation trophy. Yes. But it, it's a virtual hug from us. You are competitive, you Chris. That's why it's so funny when I beat you. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's currently winning the Formula One uh, Fantasy League? I do believe it's me. Yes. I well, who won last year? Oh, the entire that, that season, person. that's right, that's right, yeah, yes. it wasn't me. Uh, good stuff. <laughs> Great stuff, well done, Kevin. That's the end of uh, our pub quiz for Last of Us Part 1, but we hopefully will have a pub quiz for Last of Us Part 2 when that eventually comes out yes, uh, on HBO Max, so looking forward to that. Uh, maybe they'll have the, uh, the remake of Last of Us Part 2 available for PC at that stage. And for PlayStation 10 or PlayStation 6, <laughs> whenever that comes out. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, we also got a bit of feedback in uh, on the finale episode from Suzanne Nelson, who says, I loved this episode for a lot of reasons. Having Ashley Johnson playing Ellie's mom was too perfect. She did win a BAFTA for her performance as Ellie in the game, and I'm so happy she was able to play this small but crucial role that fleshes out the story even more. I really liked how they showed that Ellie didn't just shrug off the trauma of episode 8. This was a much more realistic response to what she had been through, and seeing Joel trying to coax her out of the doldrums knowing a lot of time had gone by with the weather change and he wasn't giving up lastly the ending joel going terminator and everyone in the hospital was brutal but in my mind he was thinking anyone i leave alive is armed and could possibly come after ellie and i i think that's why he leaves the two nurses alive in the operating room since they were the only two people he encounters without a weapon as a pediatrician and a mom would i have done what joel did to save my daughter hell yeah i hope i would have come up with a better lie to have been more convincing when she, when telling her when she turns 18 or 21, would I tell her the truth and let her decide what to do? I don't know. Makes for great te television either way. I loved this adaptation. Looking forward to season two. Thanks for your great podcast and enjoyed the ride with you guys. Suzanne. Excellent stuff. Thanks, Suzanne, for the feedback on the last episode. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it is. It's one of those uh, big talking points, isn't it, yeah. uh, about would you do what Joel did? And I guess it, it's just really interesting that a show, you know, gets you to think you know is it the the pain of ellie for the for the rest of humanity or you know um is is that a sacrifice too far you know certainly mm. if it involves her dying so yeah, yeah you know yeah, she wouldn't have felt any pain is kind of the um the explanation they have that she would have been dead um so as i said it's a little bit um 
almost more murky than the game, uh, or at least if you've if you've yeah. uh, if you've seen it in the game, there's there it's pretty much confirmed that Joel believes that the cure would have been found by um, by the fireflies. So lots of people who are kind of justifying their side of the argument would could say that you know there's no way the fireflies could have been able to develop a vaccine within that. Uh, within that environment in that hospital you know uh, just look at it kind of thing but actually it joe believes that it could have been created there so and still made his choice yeah uh, at least in the game so uh, we will probably see that play out in the future but great stuff thanks suzanne yeah thanks suzanne yeah thanks suzanne and i think look i i'm the same the more i watched because i went back i watched the finale about two or three times now definitely two but i think i watched it th- it's called two and a half because I kind of skipped a few, a few bits because I wanted to go into that. Just particularly rewatching the exact scene where he goes in and you have the nurses and the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, maybe like I wanted to see how they could set that up and who the nurse are because we did find out Laura Bailey was one of the nurses as a cameo. Mm-hmm. She plays a voice, the main character in part two. So I wanted to see if there was a way that maybe we'll get to see. <laughs> anyway. Uh, also because Neil Druckmann, who's one of the uh, writers and was the original writer and creator, uh, or the, the the executive producer from the video game for one and two, um, he did a, a kind of spoiler cast on it and as well talked about a few scenes and parts of it. And I think it all comes down to, and the way he likes it is that murkiness of, would you choose to save the person you love at the greater cost for the world? Mm. And like, I think more and more people, once you have a child, I think people automatically go, yes, I would save my child. And I think that the the pseudo daughter relationship that Joel grows with Ellie automatically kind of overrides any other feeling of emotion that, or, rational thought that he has and i think yeah you're right in the game it's a bit more as you say kind of black and white and here it can be a bit more murky because they didn't fully get that but i i believe marlene did kind of allude to it being this is the way this is the way (laughs) uh that it will be kind of saved like they can do it um but i think yeah it's an interesting dilemma that hopefully explored more in part two um but i don't know yeah that was a, a really interesting point from neil Druckmann. who was saying that after the game the game initially had come out they were asking loads of people um what they thought what their decision would you know the in the beta testing when they're testing the game before it's released you know they were seeing what other people's choices were and he was saying that you know anybody who didn't have kids couldn't really predict you know they could choose whichever way it was pretty much um down the middle as to whether they would uh let Ellie died to save the world or, or save her. And he said, anybody who had kids, 100% of them said they would yeah. uh, save Ellie. Um, and it didn't matter about the rest of the world because they were thinking of Ellie as Joel's child. And that's the sacrifice they would make. They wouldn't sacrifice yeah. her, especially because she isn't given a choice. Um, that, that part of it is really nailed in the show. They really do talk about that in the show. The, um, the idea that, uh, Ellie has 
no say in this at all. She's put to sleep and she'll never wake up effectively. So uh, that seems to have, have really gotten a lot of people kind of going, okay, Joel was definitely right here, even though he doesn't give her a choice after he does wake her up. He doesn't give her any option for whether she does want to make this decision or not um, in the future. So uh, so maybe he does. Maybe that'll, that's what will happen in part two. We're not going to spoil anything about that um, in the second season. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, but for the moment, he has uh, he has saved her and sacrificed the world. Do we need to save this world? At a certain point, you're like, eh, it's fine. Like, just look, it's already gone to hell in a handbasket. We might as well just let it go. Do you know, that's a really good point. Even if they do have a, uh, and we're, and we're going to talk a little bit, bit more about our thoughts about uh, about The Last of Us season one, the full season. But it is a really good point. If you do get a cure for cordyceps now. 10 years on from when the virus has started with more than half the world dead and uh, some of it gone to rack and ruin, some of it uh, taken over by monsters running cities and, and, and towns and, and Fedra in some places. It, just because you have the cure, it can't restore the world to what it was like 10 years beforehand, no, exactly. right? It just no. cures everybody so that cordyceps is no longer the problem. But how do you get yourself back to that prior society? Not everybody's going to form a place like Jamestown. Absolutely. You know? And it, that is assuming that everyone wants to take it. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Very true. Yeah, Very we, true. we have real life experience of that. We do. We do. We so do. interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much for that feedback. Uh, should we go into our own thoughts and opinions and feelings on season one of The Last of Us? Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a quick look back at the full season of the absolutely. last of us because you know we we were talking about the episodes week by week, you know, and, and it, some things can get lost as the as the weeks go on. It was only a nine week show, but um, but and and a fairly straightforward story as well. Uh, overall, that we got from the start of the season to the end of the season. Uh, overall, uh, to to say it again on our last episode, the show was based on the PlayStation game written by Neil Druckmann and directed by Bruce Straley uh, from the publisher. <laughs> Naughty Dog. Uh, the show is written and executive produced by Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann, who wrote and dr- wrote uh, every episode. Both of them actually directed episodes as well during the season, uh, Neil Druckmann and Craig Mason. Uh, other episodes were directed by uh, Lisa Johnson, Peter Hoare, Jasmelia Zbanek, uh, Ali Abassi, and Jeremy Webb. So uh, a lot of directors in there, but including the writers of the show as well, yep. uh, taking a turn at directing, which is really cool. Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so really good. Uh, just good feel to it you know Mm -hmm. i mean certainly having the original writer um for the game neil Druckmann, being involved in the production and the writing as well as then the direct directing yeah Um, he's really kept you know his creative touch Mm -hmm. uh, as it's you know been adapted into the this show so i mean that's that's really good and and craig mason i think you know looking at some of the making of yes um you know wanted that yeah you know wanted that collaboration um and so it's been you know sounds really healthy really positive mm-hmm. really constructive you know yeah yeah there is a, a making of documentary now available uh, it was it was uh, released on the day of the final episode on hbo and is now available on uh, on now tv and sky uh, in europe so a uh, quick half hour making a documentary where they go behind the scenes of a lot of the big moments uh, throughout the series and talk about um some of the other uh, more emotional elements and the and the story writing elements of, of the episodes highly recommend that it was a really good uh, really good 30 minutes uh, documentary on uh, on some of the awesomeness behind the scenes it was it was a little quick um it did feel a little quick mm-hmm. but uh very much a drive by 
my sort of look at it, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, but it was it was good, yeah. Yeah, I'd say it would make a great four or five hour documentary uh, on the series. <laughs> I, I would say Maybe? you could easily, yeah, yeah easily. do a, a long documentary on it. Yeah, interesting. I think they might then hold off because they did do with God of War, um, a kind of couple of docu kind of films slash mm. breakdowns of both one and part two. Uh, Sony did that, so it'd be interesting to see if they maybe consider. But again, it's HBO slash Sony. So again, this is where sometimes too many cooks might kind of stop that from ever happening. <laughs> well, on the on the uh, games, the original Last of Us games, there is a making of documentary on there available for you to watch as well. So um, that's there of, of how they made the game from from the start to the to the end process. A really good documentary as well. Unfortunately, weirdly, because it's PlayStation, you can't pause it and come back into it. You have to watch it all one way through, or else uh, you can't get to the end of it. <laughs> um, but uh, also announced in the last couple of weeks since the show finished, um, there is uh, the 4K physical version of this will be available uh, in June. Uh, of this year so you can get uh, all nine episodes plus any behind the scenes stuff so they may have a documentary on there uh, that the uh, extra oh, features haven't been announced so um so hopefully uh we'll get the full documentary on there because it's definitely like you can tell they're running through a lot of material that they have to edit it into a 30 minute program um you're right john that's a, that's a really good point um so hopefully they have a, a lord of the Rings style documentary where it's uh commentary tracks and loads and loads of details from behind the scenes because these, these guys as we know since they have an official podcast like to talk about this show as well so yeah and it was highly successful so they're gonna uh, go lord yeah. of the ring style more behind the scenes than actual content that they, exactly. <laughs> they put out. So here's a seven hour documentary about a three-hour film absolutely absolutely i'd watch it no problem at all <laughs> no problem at all but let us get into our thoughts though of and re- wrap up and recap of uh, season one of The Last of Us. Yeah. We? I think the way to do this is, John, we have a synopsis um, for the full season. I think you can read through it and we can interrupt you on uh, on some spots on what, what our thoughts are. So, John, do you want to kick us off with the start of the synopsis for The Last of Us season one? Sure. When a fungus infected the world in 2003, Joel Miller lost his daughter, Sarah. For the next 20 years, Joel did anything he had to to keep himself and his brother, Tommy, alive. Along the way, Tommy joins up with an anti-government group called the Fireflies, and Joel meets another survivor, Tess, and they settle into the Boston quarantine zone under the control of Federal Disaster Response Agency, or FEDRA. They trade with the outside world through survivalist Bill and his boyfriend, Frank. I'm going to come in on this one. Excellent. This episode, episode three where we get the behind-the-scenes full story of Frank and his boyfriend slash husband mm-hmm. um, and their connection to the story, but more of a standalone anthology-like episode mm-hmm. um, with a loose connection to the main story. Again, like it's still there. Is, to me, still... I know it's early. We're three, three months into a year. One of the best pieces of TV this year. Absolutely. Ever. Yep. Hands down. No question. I would argue still some of the best writing, producing, directing, acting, everything else, in, yeah. um, awarding, <laughs> uh, probably in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But again, I, like, again, there's a recency bias because it is something I've just seen. So I would have to kind of play it up against Watchmen, against some of the earlier Game of Thrones, mm. against like the Red Wedding, etc., etc., etc. You would have to weigh it up, but I still think it is honestly. It was 
taking out the representation side, right? Just mm-hmm. taking us out the side. Just it was two people who fall in love. Forget about their their their, their sex, their their gender, their sexuality, all that out. Mm-hmm. Just two people falling in love in a post-apocalyptic world, figuring out, then ending, deciding to end it, and, and on their terms and things like that, and you get this beginning to end story of a relationship over a number of years Mm -hmm. just emotionally impacting on a way i did not expect whatsoever um delivered by nick offerman and murray bartlett Mm -hmm. is again just spectacular because you get from nick offerman a a delivery of a man unknown well, what we would assume is un- unsure of his sexuality before mm-hmm. um, Murray Bartlett arrives. Maybe we'll see. He says yeah. he hasn't, but like again, like you'd have to whether he was with someone else before that or a woman before that. We don't hear. But anyway, mm-hmm. just overall, look, I I can't. I could soliloquy for another hour <laughs> just on the individual points about why I love this episode, but yeah. I'm not going to because. We've done that in that episode. If you want to go back and listen to it, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, that's just my view. Yeah, yeah, absolutely loved that episode. And and what's interesting when you get to the end of the series and you and you see Joel's actual choice, the episode, the letter that that Ellie reads from Frank about choosing one person and making sure they're safe, making sure they're kept safe, is really what feeds Joel's eventual relationship that he has with Ellie by the end of the season. It, it, it fuels his decisions. It, it it fills his mind with that idea that, yes, okay, you can hate everybody in the world, but if there's somebody to love and somebody to take care of, you do everything in your power to keep them safe. And yeah. so a really important episode overall to kind of show why Joel developed how he did. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I wasn't the, on the podcast for this episode, mm-hmm. but I just, I would agree with... What Chris says, uh, to be honest, you know, watched it, watched it again. And I think it's just a really like standout episode from Absolutely. this, um, this whole season. Um, because yeah, as it, it, it just, it takes that sidestep from the main story and it delivers something that is of that world. Uh, as brutal, I mean, you see him effectively fortifying his, his small sort of neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but out of it blossoms something that, um, persists and endures within the, um, this, this new world. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get to see that little connection with, um, Tess and, and Joel when they're round for, uh, like, to trade and, mm-hmm. and having some food it, it it's that move through you know the awkwardness of the initial meeting the recognition uh from frank of, of bill's um tentativeness mm-hmm. i i think um and and how it blooms into bill will do anything to protect um his his husband, his yeah. man in Frank, um, and ultimately, you know, the, the, the brutal twist at the end for, for Bill is that it's not cordyceps or raiders that mm-hmm. take him. It is age and health, just, you know, na- in a sense, natural health yeah. 
problems. So it, it's just really um, exceptional piece of TV for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I think the other side from from this is I actually just really liked how this opening started. I mean, not only in terms of how close the whole um, the eruption of this infection occurs and and Joel. Uh, you know, that, that, that drive with Tommy, Joel, and, and Sarah in the car. Mm. Not, not that, ca- not just simply that, uh, representation, but again, it's what the show did really well about adding elements and having, you know, that initial opening with John Hanna. Um, you know, whether it's entirely scientifically accurate or not, it, it actually makes it something where it's, within the realm of possibility exactly. because these yeah. fungus do it to ants. Yes, mm-hmm. we're a more complex um creature to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um I guess there You could is... argue sometimes not. <laughs> well, exactly. You could yeah. very easily argue sometimes not. Um but I think um you know that whole setting mm-hmm. is really, really good. And again, I think seeing you know the the first kind of outbreak with the neighbors with the tendrils coming from yeah. granny's mouth yeah um and just just some of that atmosphere created with that build up it just captured the genre really really well but also just infused it to some extent within the realms of possibility yeah you know yeah. uh so it was really really good Absolutely love that opening. Um, that's a, it's such a great idea. And then throughout the next couple of episodes where we got some flashbacks to the early times or the times before to kind of, again, continue to kind of ground that in the idea of it is possible that this may happen or might happen in some circumstances. I thought was a really good way to establish the show as we went on. Yeah. And, and even as well with going back to, um, you know, Southeast Asia mm-hmm. with the, the professor of mycology and you know again just another little layer here of uh the you know in in this case just it's reflecting the doom that she feels that will happen with the doom that is being felt by um joel in this quarantine zone Mm -hmm. you know or, or the the expression of this infection and how it's played out effectively so it was really really nicely done yeah good stuff i think that's the first uh, couple of episodes john do you want to continue on with the synopsis yes when joel loses contact with tommy he and tess make a deal with the boston leader of the fireflies marlene to deliver a young girl called ellie to another faction on the outskirts of the city in exchange for weapons supplies and transport to get them across the country to tommy They learn that Ellie has been bitten, but is the only known person to have not become infected, and is important for the future of the world. But when they reach the Firefly outpost, everyone is dead, and it is overrun with infected. Tess sacrifices herself, and Joel reluctantly brings Ellie to Bill and Frank, as she needs to be saved. Yeah, big loss in the second episode, uh, where we see the death of Tess, um, but we also have one of our biggest moments of uh, of fear and horror from the game as we meet the clickers for the first time in in that episode um fantastically brought to the screen the noise of them was 
just brilliant. It was exactly the kind of disturbing noise uh, that I remember from playing the game uh, many times. Um, the movement of them was scary as hell watching them on screen, and you could you could feel the terror in that scene as they made their way at, across the outskirts of Boston. I absolutely loved that. Such a great episode, um, and a, a great performance again from Anna Torv uh, oh, in, the role of, in the role of Tess. It's great to have someone of her quality in the show for even just that small episode one of the things that i've loved about the season overall is everybody that they've cast in small roles and big roles have made a big impression uh in in their small time on screen absolutely i I absolutely enjoyed anna tov Mm. uh, in this role i felt you know we we talk about um bella ramsey and pedro pascal's chemistry Mm -hmm. um I really just even in the fleeting moment just enjoyed the chemistry of um Tessa's character uh with uh Joel's as well. Yeah. You really got yeah. that sense. You you could see that you know what he does after she sacrifices herself why he would do that for her. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I that's really really great when in, um you know it's like getting John Hanna to do that delivery of the you know the 1960s academic it's like really just inserts themselves and hit the ground running in terms of the chemistry the performance and all that so i i really enjoyed what she brought here and Mm -hmm. again yes unfortunately um was never going to survive too long into this um this season but absolutely crucial that they have these wonderful brilliant actors doing this because um you know it really adds just to the richness of this i think um so i really enjoyed that again we get to see more tendril action i really really enjoyed this seeing um the them sort of moving around on the ground in mm. sync with one another and then seeing that you know all the the threads are that the fungus um put down through the soil how they connect and is almost like a a communication system for them oh, so the, I, my, the mycelial network yeah the mycelial network mm. so i really enjoyed that seeing it you know play out then uh in the the state building i i guess yeah. um and um it it bringing the horde of infected towards the state building. Mm -hmm. The only thing I would say is, again, whether it's within this debate of did we have enough clickers or infected in the show or not, I personally think in general there were enough because Mm -hmm. it otherwise you dilute the the effect of them. Mm -hmm. But I would like to have seen this whole concept which I think is has been brought in by the TV show, mm. uh, wasn't in the game. I'd love to have seen this concept of that communication, just seeing it, because yeah. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, and it really connects in with you know these extensive networks of of fungus uh, within the soil, and um, I I would have liked to have just seen that again because mm. it was almost like oh my god that's amazing what a great idea. and it's like yeah. don't see it again yeah so I would have liked to have seen that but I mean it's it's small because it's a small little gripe I guess if mm. it's a gripe at all but it, I just thought it was so fantastically done yeah really clever mm-hmm. addition yeah. to it and I was like 
oh, I want to see more. I want to see that happen again. And we yeah. didn't, so... I, yeah. I just I just wonder, you know, having played the game many times and died many, many times in the game, having this added to it where if you step on a piece of uh, of cordyceps somewhere, it alerts uh, other <laughs> other infected to come and come and attack you in your location. I, I would die a hundred times more, I think. So uh, if they can make it work, and I'm sure they can, um, I'd, I'd say that's going to form a part of it. I know Neil Druckmann was saying on the official podcast that the minute he heard the idea from uh, from Craig Mason, it was one of the pieces that they kind of workshopped together. And the minute he, the idea came out, uh, Druckmann kind of went, oh my God, why didn't I think of that for the game? That would have been amazing. So if we do get a Last of Us Part 3, which there are discussions about, um, I would suspect that this will play mm-hmm. a part in the game. Well, that's true because I mean, in the game anyway, yeah. you have to tread carefully because of the You're making noise of the noise. Yeah. But I mean, it wouldn't actually be too much of, um, you know, a, a leap forward because you'd have to tread carefully, like you saw in the museum. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this this idea that they're connected, except so. alerts. All oh, no, exactly. in the area, so rather than just the one that that you can possibly get away with and possibly kill if you if you uh, attracted to your location. <laughs> yes, I re- I I revise my uh, time of death to two and a half hours now. If this infected her, <laughs> um, they do have. There was a game on the Sony PlayStation called Days Gone, which is another zombie one, but mm-hmm. infected horde technology, where you had hordes upon hordes of zombies running after you. Oh yes. I'm just saying Naughty Dog could talk to Sony Bend, uh-huh. grab that technology, and that could be part of part three. Absolutely. They, yeah, yeah. The, 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 they have the technology to build this. Yeah. That was that was the most fun I've ever had in a zombie game, actually, uh, Days Gone. It was such a fun yeah. game yeah. Uh, when you're when you're on your own yeah. fighting off a horde of zombies. It works really well. <laughs> anyway. And on a bike. Yeah. It was like Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Interesting yes. thing enough, though, they didn't have the engine for building a, a bike so essentially the bike is actually a four-wheel car folded on top of each other <laughs> because the, the game engine couldn't build a bike so it's literally a bike a car in half weird squashed That's so weird. um for me i look i, I love the, the clickers i loved all the zombies mm-hmm. i love the story more the connection the emotional piece and like what it's like to live in that world yeah Absolutely. I'm not saying no to more action sequences next season. Mm. Yeah. Um, again, without knowing how, how I'm not without knowing what comes in part two. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I I actually would like a what we got at the end of season one with Joel do going all Rambo. Okay. <laughs> I could do with a Rambo sequence of clickers, right? Uh, kind of and or the 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 the. Swall clicker we got. Um, it's like Swall Groot, but Swall clicker. Um, and just get one of those. The the big one we got at the end where we have Sam. Ah, yes, the bloater. Yes, that's uh, also a very cool scene uh, from later on in the season. But John, do you want to continue on with the uh, synopsis um, where we are at the moment? Yes. Arriving at Bill's town, they find the couple are dead, but have left a message for Joel to keep hope alive and survive for love as they did. With no other plan, Joel and Ellie take Bill's car and get back on the road to locate Tommy in order to use his connections with the Fireflies to get Ellie to the Firefly scientists. On the road, their antagonistic relationship begins to soften, but they get stuck in Kansas City in the aftermath of an uprising. 
The brutal reign of Fedra in the city was ended by a group of civilians led by Kathleen, who is on a mission to find and kill anyone who worked with Fedra, particularly a man called Henry, who handed her brother to Fedra in exchange for medicine for his young brother Sam. In exchange for their help getting out of the city, Joel and Ellie protect Sam and Henry from the searching forces. As Kathleen and her group catch up with the brothers and Ellie and Joel, a huge group of infected overrun them, killing Kathleen and her group as Ellie, Sam and Henry are lucky to escape. But Sam was bitten, and as he attacks Ellie, Henry kills him and takes his own life. Oof. Um... A pretty emotional uh, episode uh, with Henry and Sam. There are two episodes uh, with Henry and Sam. The kind of the, the big two-parter of the of the show. Uh, a lot more time spent here in Kansas City this time uh, in the TV show rather than Minneapolis in the game. Um, I think this worked really well. I kind of liked the idea of spending time in this world with with these characters, getting to know more about the uh, the other groups. This is not Fireflies. This is a group that are trying to overthrow Fedra in Kansas City. So I love the kind of um, extra side of the world that we see through these characters. Definitely, yeah. I mean, again, it's this addition, isn't it? It's that here, not to say that Boston Fedra was particularly great, Mm. but it seems as though Kansas City Fedra were just, you know, got a hot, basically let the run of themselves really Mm -hmm. Uh, you know the power corrupted they were brutal they were violent um and ultimately were very good at turning people against other people in the city Mm -hmm. and you know were offering things at which ultimately puts henry in this position in the sense that you know he exchanged information um to help his brother yeah. uh, to get medicine for for his brother Sam. Mm-hmm. So I, I I thought this was again another great little bit of. It, I mean, in many respects, it's, it's more of a an expansion of Kathleen's situation yeah. and the reason for this non-Fedra organization being there uh, in mm-hmm. Kansas City, and and that expansion is is really good because. Um, it just adds to why Joel and Ellie are moving through, you know, this this city. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it there to some extent. That's there as well, yeah. yeah. And and yeah, it, it's the danger. It, it's the it's getting the bloater. And I think, you know, as we all said um, at the time, you know, one of the favorite bits of gameplay was really brought to life here with the sniper mm-hmm. um f- oh, yeah. uh, in the house as they try and make their way to him to yeah. effectively um stop him yeah. and, and you have that moment with with joel where he's willing to let him live if he doesn't do anything the sniper the yeah, former the sniper, sniper. Yeah. yeah um but he goes to to warn uh his group led by Kathleen, mm-hmm. uh, that he's found, you know, Henry, Sam, and uh, the these other two that had been involved with the ambush right at the start. Exactly. So um, I think this had such a great balance of the, both these episodes of a real emotive story, mm-hmm. you know, certainly with Henry and Sam, but also 
with Kathleen's position uh, coupled to this, you know, battle for survival, not at the hands of infected, mm-hmm. um, at least not initially, but, initially yeah. um, but at the hands of other humans, yeah. and then seeing, you know, I guess an evolutionary um, or, or development uh, of the the runner slash clicker and to the bloater. So uh, this was another great moment. And I mean, I think um, for me, again, the the characters brought in here and the actors, you know, in terms of Melanie Linsky, who played Kathleen, but also Lamar Johnson, who plays Mm -hmm. Henry, and Kevon Woodard, who plays Sam, they're just really good. I mean, Mm -hmm. the moment that Henry takes his own life, with everything that happens um, following the mm-hmm. the big infected battle, you see it impacting Joel. You see it impacting Ellie, and it, it is really impactful. I mean, he effectively made his his life hell to save his brother mm-hmm. with the medicine, and in the end. The medicine he uses has no power over this particular infection. Um, you know, any control over yeah. this uh, fungal disease, yeah. effectively. Um, and he is the one that has to take him out to stop him from biting Ellie and from then attacking even himself. And just that, you know, his entire world, and you see it in his... Um, in his eyes, in how he responds, his whole world collapses yeah. uh, and he takes his life. And it's just really poignant and quite devastating, Absolutely. actually. Absolutely. Um, so I, this is, again, just, I think, fantastic TV. And I, I do think they get the balance right here. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I definitely want to see more tendrils than that. But I think, you know, here you have the balance of, um, you know, the the relationships between um you know Joel and Ellie then suddenly with another two and their relationship but the the wider relationship with the particular city that they're in with Kathleen and then you have on top of it a really quite sweet action sequence with the sniper slash horde absolutely um, amazing you sequence. know yeah so uh, again just top notch for me yeah Everything you said, John, is true on that. that every aspect of it. what I would love to see more in part two, the next season, is we did get glimpses of other stories here. So we get glimpses of the the school underneath, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. where apparently they had heard stories of people going into the tunnels and living there for years. What happened to those? Did they get eaten? Did they go back upstairs? Mm-hmm. Like. I want to know more. We get stories of the Gestapo-like Fedra yeah. aspects, the SS versions of the Fedra. Like, I would love. I don't know if I would love. I'd be. I'd be very interested to see an anthology of the world of the Last of Us because you get this option. And I really don't mean like. A long season long anthology. I mean, like each episode is a different story. Mm. Like, what happened to the people in the tunnel? What happens when you have like a Nazi German, Germany like, um, 
Fair kind time. of SS in Fedra. Mm-hmm. What would happen when? Do you remember in the Frank and Bill episode where people got on the buses and then we saw their bones? Yeah. Like yeah. a story of that, like all these tiny things that they kind of just hint at, mm. give you a bit of like, here's the end, here's the beginning and here's the end. Right. I'm like, well, give me one episode of something of those stories. Yeah. Like what other cool, um, evolutions of cordyceps could we get? Mm. Like it did the cordyceps ever go into a giraffe or a bear <laughs> or a, a vulture? And take over. And is that cool? Could we see it with other warm-blooded animals? Uh, and like in the Serengeti, there is just an army of <laughs> roaming, like, cordyceb tigers and lions in the Serengeti <laughs> in Savannah. Like, all these things feed my imagination. And right. That's really why I love these types of pieces, and mm. especially these episodes where it, what Joel, like, you could have easily just got Joel and Nelly to and from through that, and then out. Mm. Like, you didn't need all this extra material. I, I, I think, yeah, traditionally it would probably have been that Joel and Ellie would have run into Kathleen and would have dealt with the yes. dealt with their group and fought their way through or traded their way through or something like that. But adding in the characters of Sam and Henry to that traditional story and showing how yep. they've survived for their 10 years of, uh, of this experience, you know, what they've gone through, I think that adds so much in the game. And and now expanding the story of the um, of this group that's overthrown Fedra the, in the TV show is is another great way to expand the stories overall. Yeah. It's interesting the couple of, couple of the points that you mentioned there. I think Chris, the, the things that you wanted to expand on, um, some of those are literally just dealt with as a note that you read in the game, so you know exactly what's happened to that school underground, exactly how that ended, didn't end well, as uh, so you can probably yeah. tell because it's empty, um, but. It's all it's all there, and in the background on the screen, they've made loads of great nods to it. There's loads of little things that you can see if you pause the screen, if you know the game, that they are referencing how it all ended and how it was uh, how it was there as a society for a time, I suppose. So, uh, so I love I love the attention to detail they played, and of course, having someone like Neil Druckmann on board and Craig Mason is a big fan of of the game. Those two combined, making sure that you can see everything on on screen with everybody else involved yeah. being big fans of the game, um, just kind of expands the world without you having to have a 10 season show that can expand yeah. that world within these nine really tight episodes about Joel and Ellie's story. I think, I think that's, uh, that's really cool for me. And one of the other things I just wanted to mention, just, you know, the, the, the amount of infected that are shown in the show, I think that's really realistic for the timeline of where the story takes place. We're 20 years after the initial outbreak, you know, there's been so much time has passed where, Loads of things have happened in the world. Loads of people are dead. It's, you know, all those initial moments where people are turning and, um, and turning, uh, turning into infected and killing their friends or killing people that are around them. A lot of people, the only way they've survived is to learn how not to do that. So it wouldn't make sense to have every episode people being really surprised by cordyceps infected people because they're the people that died Absolutely. first. It's kind of, it's kind of like, I know it's only 20 years or I know it is 20 years, but. They've probably evolved pretty quickly because if they didn't evolve, they're dead. <laughs> to oh, no, uh, to avoid being uh, being caught by infected in those situations. So, I, I think yeah. all I mean is just that particular thing because it was a new development. I wanted to see it again, oh, yeah, even yeah. if it was in with the swall Groot like um, yeah. uh, mushroom. Yeah, you know, and, and those I, group not yeah. necessarily. I didn't. I think they have the balance kind of right. Yeah, to be exactly, honest. exactly. Because I love that the reason that we have this massive horde 
attacking um, Kathleen and her group. The reason why we have that is because the people who are in Fedra in Kansas City pushed all of the Horde out over the last few years, pushed them out to this area that Joel and uh, this and his group and Kathleen are all walking by and happened to break open effectively. So yeah, they they drove them all underground into the tunnels. Yeah, it's the fault of what Fedra did to clear out the city of Kansas City of the of the uh, yep. cordyceps infection that has caused this. So another again another realistic ish um, thing that can happen, you know. Uh, so you, you probably wouldn't have hordes and hordes of of the infected sitting around everybody everywhere yeah. waiting in pockets because they probably would have killed everybody in that city anyway so uh, i really yeah. like that, that that attention to detail this isn't a show that's taking place a year or a couple of months after the infect the outbreak we saw a bit of that in the first episode it's taken place at uh, 20 years afterwards which just makes sense so good stuff you look at boston boston had hordes of them just rolling on the ground or oh just actually the very first one we see is the one mm-hmm. that has been plastered to a wall and has grown to become part of the wall. Yeah. Um, and they were like, okay, yes, that wasn't there the last time they used it, which was a couple of years ago. But you see the the impact of just that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. Yeah, I love, love that scene. Love those love those moments with, uh, with Kathleen. And I thought it was a really big um, moment for the characters. Again, another, uh, there's a really big reason why they have uh, those scenes in there. So, uh, John, do you want to continue on for the rest of the synopsis? Sure. Three months later, Joel and Ellie finally reach Tommy. He's living in a working commune in Wyoming called Jackson with his new wife, Maria. Joel wants to offload Ellie on Tommy as he fears he is too old to protect her. But Ellie pleads with him to continue to the Firefly scientists in the University of Colorado because she would be terrified with anyone else. They find the university deserted as the scientists have moved on to Utah. But as they leave, Joel and Ellie are attacked by a group of raiders. Joel kills one of them, but is severely wounded in the encounter. Ellie gets him to safety, but the situation is dire. Despite Joel telling her to leave and go back to Tommy, Ellie takes inspiration from the memory of her girlfriend, Riley. Live every minute, no matter how long you have, and she finds a needle and thread to stop Joel's bleeding. As Ellie nurses Joel back to health, She hunts a deer and encounters David and James from a nearby town. She agrees to trade some food with David in exchange for penicillin to treat Joel, but David has an ulterior motive. The raider that Joel killed in the university was a member of David's town, and they hunt him down to punish him. David takes Ellie for himself, but the rest of his raiders are killed by the injured Joel as he seeks out Ellie but she fights back herself and escapes David's clutches, murdering him when he reveals his true intentions to her. Covered in blood, Ellie falls into the arms of Joel, who tells her, I've got you, baby girl, and takes her to safety. After their long journey from Boston, Ellie and Joel finally arrive in Utah, where they are captured by fireflies. As Joel awakes, Marlene explains that Ellie is getting prepped for surgery. The Firefly scientists believe they can get to the root of her immunity and create an antidote to save the world, but it will cost Ellie her life. Unwilling to lose her, Joel kills them all, including Marlene, and takes the unconscious Ellie to safety. As Ellie wakes up, Joel lies to her, saying she wasn't actually the key to the cure. The scientists have many other subjects to test on. Ellie acknowledges Joel's lie to her as they end their journey in Jackson. 
Ah, yes, the acknowledgement. This is the one. This is the question. Does she believe Joel? Nope. Does <laughs> I know we just talked about it in the last episode. <laughs> we did. But we did. <laughs> I, I know we've spoken at length, but it's just such a good one. It yeah. is. It sets up perfectly for season two, but it is going to be like I, a minimum of like eighteen months plus before we get season two. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think we can. <laughs> it will be discussed on the internet for a while. Well, I suppose what's yeah. so interesting about it is it, it's exactly the same way as the game ended. And the game had uh-huh. no possibility of a sequel and almost seven years between the first game and the release of the second game. So while this now looks like a potential cliffhanger, and I would say most of the speculation of does she believe him or not is probably coming from people who play the game and know exactly what what, what that uh yeah, okay, Joel, actually means at the end of the episode. Uh, unfortunately, the second game is out there. So if you don't want to be spoiled about the second ge- season, uh, don't find out uh, what people are speculating will happen in the second season because everybody knows. Um, don't get spoiled if you can possibly avoid it. If you want to get spoiled, play the game rather than seeing what people are saying on the internet yeah. about uh, about what happens in the second game. Yes, uh, and don't the play golf. I don't get that, but I'm assuming it's a game reference because I am going to be that guy there's no way I can wait. I'm going to play the game, Last of Us Part 2, some point in 2023, just so I don't get spoiled. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, what, like a 25-hour main front-to-back story, plus <laughs> probably double that with the amount of death. Um, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I think I'm about halfway through it again and played it for about uh, about 12 hours uh, in the last yeah. couple of weeks since the since the series ended. So I think I'm about halfway through Um through the game so yeah probably about 25 hours um but it is uh, it is an interesting ending to the show there is um there is a bit of a time jump between season uh, season one and season two so this isn't uh, when when we say cliffhanger it's not like um it's going to start the next season with joel turning around and going hang on a second do you did you believe what i said <laughs> so, so it's not that kind of cliffhanger it's it's more how does their relationship develop in a second season if this is how they ended their relationship in, in the first season? So, um, so there is that. But before that, the, uh, the previous two episodes, episode eight and, uh, episode seven and eight, um, had so much going on there, so much motivation that pushed Joel and Ellie, um, to where they become or where they end in the final episode in episode nine. Um, I love the, um, agency that ellie has herself to save herself in a, in the moment when she's dealing with david um she is competent she is able to uh to take care of herself and is able to get herself out of the situation i love that choice that they have because the traditional choice especially in this I, I think you've you've talked about this phrase many times chris the lone wolf and cub storylines yeah. the absolute story is the lone wolf being joel is the one that protects the cub and then eventually pushes them out to go and live their life on their own that's not this story this story is joel thinks he's the one that needs to protect ellie ellie protects herself she becomes the one that is self-actualized by being able to uh, to deal with any comers and um, she's always been feisty she's always been able to um react to other people by this by that change in episode eight the things she has to deal with on her own she's going to survive this um herself so uh, i do love that um that kind of part of the storyline but she is broken at the start of episode nine the big moments that uh, we all loved as gamers um seeing the giraffes come out which calms ellie down a bit and sets her back uh, to 
a bit of normality after the trauma that she's gone through, I think still works really well in the show, as well as it did when we had the traumatic experience of playing that for about 40 hours, trying to get through one of the most difficult segments of the game. Um, finally seeing this moment of, of lightness uh, with the giraffes was really cool. So, uh, so I loved that that still worked uh, in the TV show as well. It did. It did. Yeah. I, I, I did ask you, what about the giraffes? I keep hearing about giraffes. <laughs> it, it, it pays off even in the, the show. I think. So, yeah. uh, I think my exact response to Chris when he asked about that in like episode three or four, uh, off air, off mic, uh, he asked me about it, and I went, um, "You're not supposed to know about the giraffes. You only know about them from memes <laughs> on the internet from people who've played the game. So stop yep. asking if it works. It works. <laughs> if you keep looking yep. for them, it won't work for you. Yeah. It has to work." <laughs> And I was looking in every episode going, wait, are we going to get draft? Like, it's like, ooh, snow drafts. Are we going to get like the, in a woody jacket? No, no, no. It, and it works perfectly. And once again, it's more of a character moment. It's not like you're going hunting giraffes or anything like that, or giraffes yeah. are attacking you or anything like that. It's much more of a character moment and a character building moment for these two uh, wonderful uh, central characters in Joe and Ellie. So love oh that. Oh my God, atta- attack giraffes. That would be so cool. <laughs> Pretty sure you could just hide under their belly maybe no they can get their heads under their belly yes they can and yeah. they and they use their necks as weapons against each other uh, i'd be pretty terrified standing yeah. underneath a, a, an animal that size but that is not this show that is no matter how much you want to push it in there chris you've asked for cordyceps giraffes and now uh, attack giraffes um, i don't think we're going to get that in season Battle two giraffes. <laughs> i know but you could put a big saddle on them it'd be great <laughs> oh my it. goodness i could see you as an ancient king harnessing <laughs> domesticating the giraffe for military purposes um yeah no exactly i mean i think um you know i i I thought the ending was great i i thought it was really a cherry on top because of it not being as such the happy ending in a personal way in terms of this Mm -hmm. relationship um you know it's been through those ups and downs and you have here this moment of distrust creeping back in effectively because um ellie can sense uh that joel's telling a big porky pie effectively Mm -hmm. um and you know it's also as you say to the growth of, of ellie and i mean again i think one of the other great episodes is her flashback her memory of riley absolutely Uh, and you see how much you know the references to her whether it's the mortal Kombat console Mm -hmm. because you see them playing mortal Kombat, the the survive you know the connection of survival Mm -hmm. that she has um, and what impacts her to to stay with with joel and Um, all all the puns that keep her happy uh, all the puns exactly as well and is really good and in kansas city where she says she has killed someone Mm -hmm. you know you can sense it in this moment even though we don't see it Um, and it's it's, uh, to me it's up there with the bill and frank episode Mm -hmm. and that one as again that that really carefully crafted sidestep yeah. uh, in this world adds to Ellie uh, as a character, mm-hmm. which actually is really important because of that final episode yeah. and with what she goes through in episode eight with with um, with Dave and and James's crew yeah. uh, at at the the lakeside town. So I think. Um, you know, it, it it really adds to that. Um, it's also 
Um, you know, I'm really pleased we get to see um, Tommy back and, and Gabriel Luna. I mm-hmm. uh, really enjoyed him in, at the start. And again, it, it, it's good to have him uh, back here at the, in episode uh, seven, six yeah. or seven, I think it was. Seven, I think, yeah. um, and, and have that dynamic yeah. coming in because that's where you get to learn uh, a bit more uh, about Joel. I, I just remember that line where he says, um, these things we did, we murdered people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when you yeah. start to, to really hear and, 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 and see that, you know, Joel has a ruthless, a very ruthless side yeah. to him. As you were saying, the reason why probably most of these people, including the elderly, uh, first people couple, mm-hmm. uh, in the hut have survived is because they've got a, a good ruthless streak. Absolutely. Um, you know, yeah. inside of them but but you even you even hear that from tommy's wife maria saying you know that's the story she's heard about joel yeah. as well she's telling ellie you don't you can't trust him because of the things he's done and ellie rightly responds well so did tommy he did those too and you forgive you forgave him right so mm-hmm. um yep. love that exploration love those ideas of what joel had done in the past you saw little flashes of it earlier on in the season so that it prepares you in some way <laughs> for how brutal and how violent he's going yeah. to get in that final episode, when the choice is save Ellie or the world, it's going to be save Ellie for Joel. Yeah. And yeah. the other side of this, certainly from that episode where they reach Jackson, is just the level of tension that the that Craig Mason provides and the directors and the writers mm-hmm. provide by not showing the the infected. Because this was one where, because of the warning from the couple, um, the elderly couple in in the cabin mm. about that's the river of death, don't cross over, yeah. and all that, and, and you know, it, it's just it, it's the power of those words, and uh, it's the kind of the snowy silence as well, mm-hmm. um, and just there was a level of tension in that episode where I was expecting something to jump from you know the forest or. You know, what, how was Jackson going to be defended or would there be some kind of attack or some issue mm. around Jackson that just layered in sort of the unknown tension? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I thought they pulled it off really well. Did a great job. Did a great job. Similarly, at the University of Colorado. Yeah. You know, and also with David and James's uh, crew. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? You know, we, we have said, you know, obviously it is an action game. It is an action adventure game with a lot of story in it, you know. But um, what they've stripped out are those first person shooter bits. And really, when you're playing the game, it's only two or three um, infected that you're that you're fighting against that and that encounter can take a couple of hours you know to to get through so by stripping those elements out and um and focusing on the story that is a great story to focus on and that did such a good job bringing this to the screen you know you're not even in the game you're not focused on the uh, just the encounters that you have those are things you just want to get past to continue the story so i like that they cut a lot of those out and kept them in the show sparingly so there's still the tension in the background of what could happen to you if you go off the um if you go off the path if you get lost if you go into a place that is infested 
but these are people who are who have spent 20 years avoiding places like that so uh so it makes it yeah. makes a lot of sense why you don't see them on screen so uh, i think that's a good job any final thoughts on the episode guys anything else that you wanted to wanted to bring up um thanks very much for the synopsis john uh, that took us through all the episodes of the show but anything else you wanted to bring up about the show overall um i just want to say uh, I would give the show five mushroom risottos out of five. Um, <laughs> nice. I mean, j- just as a rating, you know, mm-hmm. um, similarly, you know, with other shows that we've covered, I just, it, it really um, was great. Yeah. Um, just the construction of it, the storytelling, mm-hmm. the investment that you had with these characters yeah. uh, and their situation and even the peripheral um, you know, in inverted commas, characters that came in for one or two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really, really well crafted, uh, and I really enjoyed it. Excellent. For me, it's just one part we haven't discussed, and it's a very quick detail, is what I saw in some of the kind of more online f- pieces, which was the, the visual effects. Mm-hmm. So, like, the giraffe scene, where everyone was like, it's not a real giraffe. It was a real giraffe, That's and right. blue screened around, like... Yeah. Like the, the, the clickers and the cordyceps and the little tendrils we talked about, even in the very first episode coming out of Granny's mouth yeah. or the tendrils that kind of, uh, kissed into Tess mm-hmm. and she snogged the hell out of the infected. <laughs> I think the um, infected snogged the hell out of her. Uh, yeah, either it, potato tomato. <laughs> Probably consent uh, there. Uh, yes, yeah. consent is key. <laughs> um, I, I just, uh, they were great. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't yeah. phoned in, and I I know that's just a it's a small thing, but it did add to the realism and the the overall quality. Absolutely. And you could have just had it like you could have phoned it in. You could have not phoned it in, but I wouldn't expect it from HBO. But it could have happened where they just didn't look great. But overall, like top notch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd highly recommend the. I know it's only half an hour, but I highly highly recommend the making of. They go into a lot of detail behind. Um, all the elements that they brought into the show and all the all the visual effects work that they did, the stunt work that they did. Yeah. Uh, it's all very interesting because there's actually a lot of stuff that was replaced by visual effects that was on set. So, for example, the, the scene we talked about earlier on with the bloater and the um, the young kid who's a small uh, clicker um, yep. who were talking about the fact that she is a, uh, she is a contortionist, um, but they completely rebuilt her in the digital world in in visual effects so that they could do some extra things that even her as a contortionist couldn't do to make her even more creepy so they did have the performance on set of course that's the reference point and they expanded on that using visual effects which is uh which is excellent as well so uh such a great job on all of that throughout the season so um yeah really looking forward Agreed. to some more of uh of the last of us uh when Definitely. we get to uh when we get to the next season it is really interesting because i know everybody is really happy with the show i know craig mason is really interested in the show i know neil Druckmann's really looking forward to telling the rest of the story and maybe moving on to uh, the last of us part three at some point in the future uh, and in, in terms of games but this is going to be a finite story this will definitely only be a few seasons of uh, of a hbo show this will not be something i think uh, that'll have lots of spin-offs and it'll go on for the next 20 years it, it feels like yeah. a show that has uh, everybody that's involved wants to tell the best story possible and to do it in the shortest time period so maybe uh, two more seasons to cover uh, the last of us part two and if the last of us part three is already in development then maybe we'll get another season or two to cover that <laughs> in the future but that could be 
quite a while away. So um, yes, yeah, very much looking forward to uh, to getting back to the Last of Us in a couple of years' time. Yes, and it will be a couple of years because currently Craig Mason is working on post production of Borderlands, uh, the video game turned. Uh, now movie slash t. I think it's a TV show. But don't quote me. That seems like a weird fit for, for Craig Mason. Yeah, mm-hmm. this one is even weirder. Cowboy Ninja Viking. Okay. Yep, that is another one he's working on. And then finally, Craig Mason is writing the new untitled Pirates of the Caribbean project. Well, there you go. There Excellent. you go. All so, all in production at the moment. I know that yes. uh, Bella Ramsey has, has spoken about it uh, in interviews, saying there's a possibility they will start filming uh, from June or July of this year. Um, da- Neil Druckmann has said they've already started breaking the story for uh, for part two. So, um, given how popular it is, we we may have to only wait a two year gap like we used to yeah. with Game of Thrones. Um, so, I'm hoping that they'll clear the decks and uh, and come out with uh, with a great second season of the show uh, pretty soon great stuff thanks for that guys thanks for running through season one i'm sure we'll be, we'll all be talking about it uh without the mics in front of us the next time we uh, we all, all meet up in person again so uh exactly. yeah so to our fellow survivors keep sending in your thoughts about the show we'd love to hear if you're catching up on the show if you're coming um coming at it a bit later than than most other people and watching the whole of the season we'd love to hear your thoughts email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your thoughts about the season Yes, 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 please do. Now, gents, we did ask for some reviews as part of our, as an optional extra entry for those who uh, wanted to uh, give a review for an extra entry on the, uh, the, the pub quiz. But I thought it'd be nice to read them out. Some really nice ones. That's not just those who kind of put in for an extra entry. Some people just gave lovely reviews in general. So we just thought, yeah, let's read some of these out because they are just really nice. It's yeah. a nice way to yeah. end our coverage of this show. Absolutely. Yeah, it was really nice to hear um, just some of the feedback that we got. And even just in, in emails to us um, over the la- course of the last couple of weeks, lots of uh, lots of great thoughts about, uh, about our Last of Us coverage. Um, Jesse Fieras says, I've been loving the coverage of the show as well as others. Uh, first time entering a pub quiz. Can't wait for your coverage of The Boys. Uh, yeah, The Boys Season 4 coming up uh, later this year and The Boys Spin-Off Show, uh, another show that we're going to be covering um, later on this year as well. So, uh, so thanks, Jesse. Yeah, thanks so much, Jesse. And of course, there will be a pub quiz for the boys. There probably will, yeah. We have done for all the previous seasons. That's true. That's true. So um, you can enter into that as well. Yeah. Great the Vault Quiz. The Vault Quiz. The, yes. the They're going to corporate quiz. sponsor. Yes. We are bringing the corporate sponsor now. That's how we do it. That's it. Next up, we also have some uh, a review from Justine Lara Millar, who had this to say. Thank you for doing this, guys. I love the positive energy and excitement you bring when you do podcast recordings on some of my favorite shows this year, like The Bad Batch and The Last of Us. You guys are a breath of fresh air in the podcast scene. Keep up the awesome work. Thanks, Justine. And we've said this before for those who kind of, we talk about this quite often. We really only podcast the stuff that we want to podcast them mm-hmm. on about. Um, there's enough negativity out in the world. There's enough negative podcasts. What's the point in being another one now Absolutely. that we will talk about? We always look for silver lining, even if it's sometimes we don't enjoy an episode or things like that. Yeah. Overall, we will always bring the 
positive sunshine rays where <laughs> yeah. possible. Hopefully a breath of fresh air. Yeah, even even if we were just to do shows that we like and want to podcast about, there's still too many of those anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> so we tend to uh, look at shows that we're going to enjoy all of. So, Absolutely. Uh, so thanks so much, Justine. Yeah, thanks, Justine. Uh, glad you're also uh, listening to The Bad Batch mm-hmm. as well. Uh, that is certainly kicking off uh, as well. Well, it's uh, almost finished. Yeah. Final, final Towards episode. Towards the end. Uh, it's it's really getting good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, thanks again, Justine. Uh, Philippe uh, Gurgel uh, says, fellow friends, keep podcasting. If you're looking for a podcast that's both friendly and positive and that delves into the latest TV shows and movies, then you should definitely check out TV Podcast Industries. This podcast is the perfect antidote to all the negativity that can sometimes surround fandoms. As the host always manage to find the bright side of things. One thing that sets TV podcast industries apart from other podcasts in this genre is how friendly and welcoming the hosts are. They're genuinely interested in sharing their love for TV and comics with as many people as possible. TVPI is definitely a podcast you should check out. Keep watching, keep podcasting, and we will keep listening. Nice. Excellent stuff, Philippe. Uh, yes, I'm so glad you're, you're listening to us. And uh, again, I think you know, like with Justine, thanks for uh, sort of spotting that, you know, we definitely want to have positive spins on stuff. I mean, uh, you know, creative writers, the directors, the production staff, the actors, you name it, they, mm-hmm. you know, they certainly aren't setting out to do something bad mm-hmm. um, at yeah. all. Certainly given, I guess, the contracts and the money involved, uh, amongst other things. But, I mean, you know, if it doesn't work and it doesn't hit, you know, I guess that's one of those um, bits of gold dust that you just can't necessarily foresee uh, yeah. or you can't account for uh, in the business that is TV. So, I mean, even if we don't, like things which luckily there hasn't been too many well we've we've cancelled a few podcasts we, we have cancelled a few the shows. Um, yeah. <laughs> then you know it, it's generally whilst we might say yeah we didn't like it we mm-hmm. still look for the good stuff that we can pick over from that corpse Absolutely. I guess yeah. of, well, of an episode <laughs> of an episode usually the whole yeah. season combined tends to work or, out or movie we, mainly yes. it, it's been a movie and certain episodes yeah yeah exactly yeah. we have covered a couple of shows that we absolutely adored and didn't get past the first season as well you know that's that the other true. the other side of it there's, uh, there's definitely three that come to mind that we uh, that we that didn't get second seasons even though they were stunning shows just didn't get enough people watching them yeah uh, yep. that can happen as well thanks Philippe. yeah completely agree and uh thank you for definitely pulling in the keep watching keep podcasting keep listening because that's always a nice means you actually do care Absolutely. Yeah. We, absolutely. We're not going to stop, stop podcasting anytime soon. I, it will, it will take a miracle <laughs> to stop me talking. Yeah. There you go. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be honest. Next up, we have a review from Clyde Wheeler, who had this to say, these guys obviously have a passion for genre TV and do in-depth dives into quite a few shows. I don't watch all the shows they review, but really do enjoy their coverage of the Marvel shows and The Last of Us. Thanks, gentlemen. No problem, Clyde. Yes, Marvel's are bread and butter because I love it. Mm, God, I yeah. love it. And Secret Invasion's coming in June. I know. So good. Yes. Got that news yesterday and I'm so excited. Yes, it wasn't even announced. I went onto my Disney Plus account and saw a date attached to it because I kind of check it pretty often because I'm a Nick Fury fan. Can't wait for the show to come out and saw it on my 
on my account that Secret Invasion is coming 21st of June. I booked it into Chris's diary <laughs> so that he, he knew did. exactly he <laughs> when that well, was going. Well, I but, guess yeah. they're going all uh, espionage on us as it is Covers, Marvel's yeah. James mm-hmm. Bond. There you go, Covert. With Nick Fury, I yes, guess. Yes, that, that version of Nick Fury was inspired by James Bond. Yeah. I know you might think that you're slagging me, but you're not. Um, in space. <laughs> not in space. Uh, good stuff. Thanks so much, Clyde. Yep, thank you so much, Clyde. Kevin Coyle also sent his thoughts in. He says, I'm a huge fan of every single one of your podcasts i'm constantly recommending you to all of my co-workers you all deserve a rating of five grandpa's werther's originals out of five i realize that i'm now committed to dishing out 15 werther's originals but you are all definitely worth it derek john and chris your new york admirer from across the pond kevin excellent kevin thank you and yes Uh, you have picked derek's favorite mm -hmm. uh sweet um yes he, he sits back with his slippers and his dressing gown, with <laughs> his say, with his moustache, uh, <laughs> sucking on a few Werther's originals. Um, so I reckon all fifteen of those would go straight into <laughs> Derek's mouth. Um, they are there are more of the sweets that I like when I'm traveling, uh, rather because because I'm a big sweet fan. I eat pretty much anything, but Werther's originals are the ones that I like ha- I like to have on me when I'm traveling. So when so, you're sat in stuff. the armchair by the fireplace, you think you're traveling somewhere, <laughs> do you? <laughs> well, the chair moves up and down, John. It was a recliner after all. Good stuff. Thanks so much, Kevin. It's really good to good to hear your uh, hear your feedback and hear your thoughts about the podcast as well. Thank Absolutely. You. Thanks so much. Uh, Kevin yes thank you so much Kevin and who knows if we ever make it back to or to New York Comic Con yes in my case we'll definitely shout we would love to drag you over to New York Comic Con with us at some point Chris definitely finally Bullet Hole gave us a five star review and said I've listened to these guys for a few years now and try to catch every episode over the years they have also recommended shows that I would not have watched but now are some of my favourites. I love that I can listen at work in the office with no fear of bad or offensive language. Very entertaining, like meeting up with three mates in the pub and talking about TV shows and films that we all like. Yes, excellent stuff. Uh, thank you so much, Butler Toll. Um, it's very nice of you. It yeah. really is, and I, I guess, yeah, it is great that we just have that kind of matey sort of chit-chat about <laughs> us, actually. Yeah. The, um, the profanity uh, police, i.e. Derek, mm-hmm. is the one you have to thank oh, well, mostly true. for that. There you go. Because uh, myself and John, every now and again, just slip up. Yes. Or purposely <laughs> put something in. Give me an extra just to see. task. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Just <laughs> keeping him on his toes and in practice. Exactly. If we were perfect, no one would listen and you would get bored, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> I, I make it as perfect as I can with editing, but no, thanks so much, but but the yeah, the, the the idea that it feels like you're in a pub that mates is great because uh, basically this was our virtual pub for about six years before COVID, and uh, yep. and then was our virtual pub during COVID, and has been our virtual pub since COVID. So uh, yeah. this is exactly what we do when we meet up. So uh, so great that it's uh, yeah. it comes across like that as well. And when we do meet up listeners. in a pub or each other's homes, mm-hmm. then I guess it does get. Slightly more sweary. It does, and yes. Yes. Possibly shouty, although that could be the music in the bar. And definitely um, more alcohol. And definitely more alcohol. Yes. Exactly. 
Yeah, good stuff. Thanks so much to everybody for sharing your uh, your reviews and feedback. Some of those are just literally emails to our to our email inbox over the last couple of weeks, um, just talking about the show and the coverage of The Last of Us. Thanks so much. I'm so glad uh, you all enjoyed our coverage of The Last of Us. Another show um, that I've really enjoyed watching and I think we've all enjoyed talking about. So, Definitely. Um, so yeah, really glad that we put that on the schedule. And remember, it was suggested by our listeners that we were going to cover that because uh, it wasn't on our schedule originally. We already had two shows that we were going to cover in January in February and uh, we sque- we squeezed it in uh, alongside the other shows that we were covering yeah. so I'm delighted we did yes definitely especially because we've got to see Pedro Pascal's face mm-hmm. yes. because at the moment we just hear his voice That's true. in the Mandalorian That's but that is true. the way what can we do <laughs> another show we're not covering unfortunately we are covering The Bad Batch every week which finishes up this week with the final two episodes uh, the second season of the show it's been really really good actually it, it's almost weird it's like as if when it was paired side by side with the with the Mandalorian coming back they left all these excellent stories that they've been putting on it's like this perfect um connection to the mandalorian you watch that and then the bad batch or watch the bad batch and then the mandalorian some weeks because um sometimes i really prefer them up the bad batch to be honest well controversial Mm -hmm. as it may sound um and i do like the mandalorian Mm -hmm. i do think i've been enjoying the bad batch um a little more more. Mm -hmm. uh the last uh few weeks and the other side of that is um I think it was you that mentioned it, mm-hmm. saying, yes, they really need to have the Mandalorian as a GPS voice, where they go, this is the way. <laughs> Take a left. This, this is, is the, the way. way. <laughs> <laughs> it would work, wouldn't it? It would, work. it would, actually. It would. You are on the right way to get there. This is the way. way. There you go. Good stuff. Thank you so much for joining us for our coverage of The Last of Us. To you guys as well, of course, John and Chris. uh, Thank you, sir. uh, All three of us here for uh, for that show. Uh, We will, of course, be back with The Bad Batch. We are also continuing our coverage of Star Trek, Picard, the final season. Uh, A couple more episodes of that season to go as well. And then we will continue on with loads and loads more uh, the rest of the year in 2023. So uh, if you're looking for the full list of that, you can just pop on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. Our wrap-up and preview of 2023 uh, comes out, came out at the start of the year, and there's a list of everything that we're going to be covering this year, pretty much. Yeah. At least everything we know so far that we're going to be covering. Definitely. Exactly. And if you like what you hear and you want to support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries and you can support us for an ongoing monthly amount that you choose. And we will very much like it and thank you for it because it helps keep the engine running, the podcast servers going and the lights on. Beyond that, you can want to just give us a one off donation. Of course, you can support us that way too by heading to buy me a coffee dot com slash tvpi where you can buy Derek a coffee as he edits into the wee hours of each and every night but you don't want to do that can't do that no problem why not leave us a review because it's important it gets the word out there and the more five stars the better because it's all about discoverability and more people hearing <laughs> our beautiful dulcet tones in their ears don't want to do that don't worry. Why not just share the podcast? Because sharing the podcast is what, gentlemen? It is, of course, sharing the love. Yes, of course. Especially if you want to go and share that love by killing an entire building full of people and a doctor and <laughs> leaving the nurses alive. That That's another way you can share the love. We don't recommend it, nope. but it is a way you can. Yes, let's not do that. 
<laughs> but uh, thank you so much, fellow survivors, for joining us. We do hope you uh, are listening on as we cover The Bad Batch and Star Trek Picard. And of course, I cannot wait till season two of The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Get your uh, get yourselves in gear, HBO, is all I can say. Uh, but in the meantime, of course, keep watching, keep listening, and keep surviving. Yes, and huge congratulations as well. Again, to Kevin Coyle, who won our Last of Us World's End pub quiz, and uh, we'll be getting a copy of The Last of Us Part 1 on PS5 uh, or PC. Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts when you're playing through that as well, Kevin. I'll be in contact very soon. Yeah, great stuff, Kevin. Yes. Congratulations, Kevin, and thank you for everyone for listening. We'll speak to you again soon. Bye. 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 And that's the end of this story.